What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast. This is John Hodge. We thank you, as always, for joining us. This week, we are foregoing our regularly scheduled programming to bring you some very exciting interviews from the CFL's off-season winter meetings up in the mountains of Alberta. Justin Dunk, our very own reporter, is on site conducting interviews with members of all nine CFL teams, as well as, of course, CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. We will be posting a select number of these interviews to our podcast feed, but don't fret if you miss the regular show. We'll be back for our regular programming with myself, Justin, and J.C. Abbott on Wednesday, January 18th. In the meantime, enjoy the select interviews we post, and we'll talk to you again soon. Twenty twenty three CFL Winter Meetings one on one with Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. The first thing I want to ask you about is CFL scoring is up. It actually beat out the NFL during the regular season. There was a lot of rules that you guys put in place to improve scoring this past season. When you hear that, how does it make you feel and did the rules have the desired effect? Well, I think they definitely had the desired effect. And look, I think there's lots of reasons to be excited about the 22 season. But it all starts with that collaborative effort we made by bringing presidents, coaches, and GMs together. Uh, Greg Dick did a phenomenal job, uh, you know, in really creating a collaborative environment, really talking about how our, our, our ambitions were, were very focused. We want to have a f- game that is fun, fast, and entertaining. In fact, I, I think we should set our goal of having the funnest, fastest, most entertaining brand of football in the world. That's what we're aspiring to. And I think we took a big step in the right direction last year. Is there, will, it, will we ever be done that work? No, because you'll always be looking for ways to improve, but it was certainly a lot to be excited about during the 2022 season. And as we look forward to 2023, even more to look forward to. The NFL had an uptick in points per game a couple of years previous. They were down in 2021, I believe. Did you guys look at that in terms of wanting to get back above the NFL in points per game or measure yourselves against them in any way? No, it's hard to deny you're always looking at the at the competition and seeing what they're doing, but our focus was really on our own on our own game and how do we make our own game the best it can possibly be. And I think that's the approach that we took. Look, you always want to see what somebody else is doing because maybe there's something to learn from that and creating that culture where you're in a learning mode and you're always looking for opportunities to improve is great. But in the end, our mission is simple. We want to focus on our own future. We want to focus on making our game the best. We want it to be fun, fast, and entertaining. And you know, with the help of, of Greg and his team, coaches, GMs, and presidents, we delivered on that in 22. And as I say, now looking forward to you know, building on that in 23. And we reference the NFL, and of course, most of those teams, actually all of them are in the United States. And you've talked openly at Grey Cup about wanting a bigger television deal in the United States. Do you have an update on that front? Well, we're very close to finalizing what I would call our anchor relationship in uh, in U.S. media. So that says not, the deal's not completed yet, but I'm hoping that sometime in the not-too-distant future we'll make that announcement. That's going to be a real step forward for us. One of the things we focused on in our discussions with potential media partners was, you know, how do we connect 
our the college football system in the U.S. How do we connect? Uh, where half of our players, uh, you know, come from U.S. colleges. How do we connect those fan bases to our game? How do we make sure that they know somebody uh, like Zach Calandros, who's who's played at Cincinnati? How do we make sure that the Bearcats fans know that he's playing on a Friday night and that they can watch, you know, a, a hero from his from their his Bearcats days? They can watch him playing in the CFL. And uh, the real connecting uh, tissue there was Genius. So Genius has some remarkable capabilities. And one of the things we found when we sat down with our U.S. broadcasts, with potential U.S. broadcast partners, is their interest in how Genius can really help us take our relationship to the next level. That That was a real highlight for me of those discussions with potential U.S. broadcasters. And during those discussions, were you also talking about hyping up the games? Because they sort of just based on what I've heard from people in the States, pop up on ESPN or ESPN2 or the various other ESPN platforms. So was that a point of discussion as well? Yeah, you know, the conversations were really quite holistic and, uh, you know, really very comprehensive. You know, the the goal of of the relationship that we ultimately hope to announce shortly and all relationships to follow is to really grow and build that fan base in the U.S., Obviously, our number one priority is growing and building our fan base in Canada. We're going to focus on that. But there's a, it's the biggest football market in the world, and half of our players come out of that, uh, that ecosystem. So we need to take advantage of that. And then building a fan base around the world. But again, it goes back to our core strategy, the marketable fan strategy, our partnership with Genius Sports. How do we take advantage of the power of the Internet and the way people consume information and consume sports and consume content, and how do we use that to elevate the size of our fan base, both in Canada and around the world? You mentioned growing the game in Canada, and I don't want to put words in your mouth here, so I'm going to paraphrase, but you've seemingly all but guaranteed that there's going to be expansion up here, so you can categorize that how you see fit. Why are you so confident that that could be something that happens in the CFL in the near future? Well, my perspective is driven by the fact that I really believe expansion is the next big positive step forward for our league. And, you know, one of the things that it will do for us, it allow us to play, uh, to complete our season with a 19-week schedule as opposed to a 21-week schedule. That would, uh, we would, obviously each team would have one buy instead of today with an odd number of teams, we have three buys. That means that a greater percentage of our games would be played in the summer months uh, because you can play a lot of those games, uh, five games a week without having, without having buys early in the season. Save those buys for later in the season. There are so many benefits when you look at our revenue per game. It's higher in the summer months during, than it is in the fall months. That means the more games you play in the summer months, uh, the, the greater your revenue going to be. That's going to be great for a relationship with the players and for this revenue sharing model. Everywhere I look, I see benefits to expansion. So what I have committed to the governors is to be very specific, very focused on uh, can we expand? How do we do it? What are the terms of expansion? How would it work? And ultimately to see if we can make it happen. So right now it is, an, is a strong ambition. Do we make it happen? I don't know. But are we focused on making, you know, making every move possible to see that it can happen? Yes, we have. 
and, it, and we will continue to do so. Is there a city where you see that that could happen in the near future? Well, look, I, I think when there's an undeniable appetite to see if we can expand in Atlantic Canada. But at some point, we have to just go from talking about it to either saying we can do it or we, or we can't do it. One of, the big, one of the big positives that has come out of a conversation with Atlantic Canadians, with Maritimers, has been the conversation about um, what kind of facility would we, would we need. So we're now talking about the, the use of a, what we call temporary permanence. So you expand a stadium like we would for a single event, and that becomes, this, that becomes the stadium that you might use for five to ten years. I think we've recognized that asking a region to build a, to build a stadium like Investors Group Field or, or Mosaic Stadium or BMO Field, you know, when they've never had a team before, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a stretch. But could we expand a stadium using a temporary per permanent concept? Could we do that and use that as a platform to build a future for football in, in a marketplace? So that conversation has helped us. We hope that that'll advance discussions in, um, in the Maritimes in the days to come. But we also have to look at other markets. Like I'm, I'm uh, very excited about what's been going on for several years now in Quebec City with um, with the Rouge Or, uh, Monsieur Tanguay, and what he's built and what the what they built at Laval is that a market market that uh, is a potential for a CFL city? We don't know until we go and have that conversation. But right now, we're going to focus on Canada as the CFL's tenth team because it's really good for us if we can get a tenth team. But we're going to be deliberate about it. We're going to be specific. And then, and then we're going to move heaven and earth to try to make it happen. And Mayor Mike Savage did say that if you wanted to go play there, you could go play in the parking lot of the Micmac Mall. And I think that was his way of telling you guys that it needed to be a facility exactly as you described, something that was flexible. And there has been rumbling from Atlantic Canada that perhaps something can be done around St. Mary's University and their football field. Is that something that the CFL has talked about with the university and with the city? Yeah, you know, again, what's happened in the last several months, and this is just speaks to the culture that we're building, one thing I think we're getting good at, and we're getting better at for sure, is collaboration. We're going better in and rather than telling them what we, what we want is asking them how they can make it happen. The idea of a temporary permanent facility came through a collaborative discussion with, uh, with Maritime Canadians who said, look, I think if we want to have a team here, we probably need to do this in a two or three phase approach. And one would be to look at facilities like St. Mary's as an example and other potential facilities. We talked about uh, Moncton. There's a, the, the University of Moncton's got a pretty good facility. Could that be used? So I think the idea is to listen to the market and let the market drive our strategy going forward. And those conversations have opened doors for us. And, uh, and now our goal is to be very specific and clear on what we need to have happen. And let's go see if we can't make it happen. In terms of growing the game more in Canada, is there an appetite from the CFL's perspective to work more closely with Football Canada to even get your logos out there and do more of that so you're front and center with those grassroots kids? Yeah, you know, I would say there's an entire, the, the entire system has an opportunity. Look, we've just been through a two very difficult years, perhaps two of the most difficult years in sports, 2020 and 2021 with the COVID crisis. 
before that, we had started to build momentum with uh, with youth sports. We started to build momentum with Football Canada. We're putting all of those things on the table. But one of the things that we're doing better today than we did in the past is to be more focused. So what is it that we can do with our partners at Football Canada? What role should we play in the development of football in Canada? Is it everything or is it more a few more specific things? This is a conversation I've been having with Greg Dick, who has, you know, heads up our football operations group, is let's be very clear and, and very precise in what our role is going to be, and let's apply those resources to making sure that we are really good partners for Football Canada, really good partners to the, to the provincial sports organizations that run football, really good partners for U sports, and build that collaboration, but not trying to be not trying to do it all, try to do a few things really well that will help us to advance the game of football. And you mentioned those tough years, especially through COVID and not playing. Where's the financial health of the league at right now? Because if I remember right, when you came into the league, you spoke about wanting to double league revenue. So how would you categorize where the league is at overall from a financial perspective? Yeah, I think we're I think we're on a road to recovering from those, you know, Difficult days in 20 and 21. 22 was a much better year for us. I think 23 is going to be better better yet. I think the relationship with the players, like again, everything, Justin, you have to kind of view through the lens of the of the entirety of what we're doing. Look, the, the collective bargaining agreement with our players was a, was a big step in the right direction. Why? Because it's, it's got a seven-year window. It, it, it changes us from constantly bargaining with each other, um, which is less attractive than it sounds, by the way, uh, and it doesn't sound that good to start with, um, but it takes us out of that mode of kind of constantly bargaining and into building a relationship. And, you know, I think we should, a big shout-out to Solomon and Brian at the PA and the and the PA's executive committee and the players in general, you know, thank them for being willing to come to the table and find a way to do things differently, to get, again, less focused on bargaining and more focused on building. That work is now underway. The revenue growth strategy, uh, which is a key feature of the, of the program that we've created together, how do we grow and build the league? That's a critical part of it because the product is not just what happens, you know, between the sidelines and, uh, and you know, and, uh, and on the field. It's also the, the product, which is content and getting our players' stories told and looking for opportunity to tell those stories. That's going to resonate with the sponsors. That's going to attract a new generation of fans. How do we build on the, how do we build on the, uh, the single game wagering opportunity? How do we do that together so that Canadians can put a 10 or $20 bet down on a game and how, have more fun kind of feeling that they're part of the action? That's another opportunity. That, I feel really good about what's in front of us now, but you have to kind of get through the crisis. It's hard to think clearly in a crisis. It's hard to be long-term oriented in a crisis. But now, and thanks to our governors, who have been a remarkable group of contributors, who have allowed us now to think long-term, to shout out to Scott Banda, our new board chair. Scott's helping us to think long-term. You know, we had a business plan. Now we have both a strategy and a business plan. The, the business plan has to fit with the strategy those things are those pieces are now in place 
So look, I, I, we, have a, we have a lot of hard work in front of us, but I feel very good about the foundation that we've created. The Players Association is trying to get passed for workers' compensation. Is the CFL on board with helping them get that? Obviously the most infamous case is Jonathan Hefney in the CFL, and then we've just recently seen what's happened with DeMar Hamlin in the NFL. So is the league on board with helping the Players Association get that workers' compensation in the provinces that they're looking to do so? You know, our view and the players' view has has differed. Ours is that we believe that the extension of long-term health benefits, which has been bargained and um, and worked on together as partners, we think that has taken us in, as a really good solution for the league. It's a economically uh, feasible solution for the league. So our focus has been on making that system, which we've already created, work. And, uh, and the players have a different point of view. What, I, what I've appreciated about the relationship with the players is we aren't going to agree on everything, and that's okay. You can have a great relationship with somebody and not agree with them on everything that, you, uh, that you're talking about. Ours is that we believe this solution that we've created is a really good one, certainly significantly better than where we were in the past. We want to focus on building that relationship and using that system. And the players have a different point of view, and we respect that. And in Montreal, I'll just ask it very concisely. Can you break down what's going on with the ownership situation there? Because it seems to be something that a lot of people are confused by. Well, you know, look, I, I, I have been in a constant state of conversations with the majority owners and the, and the representatives of the majority owners. And I can tell you, they are, they are remarkably good people to work with. Uh, I can tell you that uh, talking with them last night, you know, we, we, I can clearly say they have a clear commitment to, the, to a bright future for the Montreal of that's it. That's absolutely clear. I think it's absolutely clear to me that uh, the two principles that they shared back in August of 22, they wanted to win football games and entertain their fans. Those two principles are completely in place. The majority owners have said that they would be as, as though they are committed to the bright future for the Alouettes, but they are interested in the potential conversations with local with local uh, investors and, and local groups who might want to get involved in the Alouettes. And they're interested in those conversations as well. But just generally, the tone is so positive and the conversation with the majority owner of the team have been very positive. I'm very comforted by that. And I've committed to them to continue to work with them and collaborate with them to create the best future possible for the Alouettes. And from your seat, what's Gary Stern's relationship like with the Alouettes and with the league right now? Because I think there's been a little bit of confusion there. He was off Twitter, I think, for a little while. He's obviously been very vocal. He's passionate. But where does that stand? Yeah, it's really not for me to. It's really not for me to comment on. Look, I was. Uh, it was clear to me through dialogue that uh, that the reporting relationship with the league would be with the majority owner, and that's where we have focused our energy. Look, I, oh, what I want is I want the best possible situation for the Alouettes. I want long-term success for the Alouettes. And again, what I can report is that the conversations with the majority owner have been incredibly positive. They're thoughtful, they're professional, and they're looking for that future. They're open to new ideas, which, I, which I've been talking with them about, and those will continue those discussions you know, well into the future.
you got a packed sked here. We stole some of your time. So thanks for catching up with us in the mountains. It's nice to do this face-to-face -face after we're past, hopefully, all of that stuff that we've been having to deal with. So thanks, Commissioner. Yeah, thanks very much. I agree. And listen, Happy New Year and best wishes to you and, and, all, of your, uh, and all of your fans and supporters. And uh, looking forward to a great 2023 season. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.